you say, and a lot of people do, they mistakenly say, you know, hey, Dr. Dale, he, man, he healed my low back, or he did this, he did that. And I'm like, no, I didn't do anything. I helped you understand how your body functions. Um, the reality is, look at thoughts, traumas, and toxins. And so within those three, one, a lot of people are like, why doesn't it include nutrition? I'm like, well, you should be eating what naturally human beings should be eating. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today we uh, have Wild Doc here. <laughs> the. So, the <laughs> Wild Doc. So, I'm, I, dude, I'm really excited about today. Uh, I appreciate it. So I am too. Sh- just a short uh, fill-in story f- for my history with you is like, what year was that when I first went to? Oh, uh, man. Um, it was like I was probably 18. I, I mean, was, we were was young. Was I Amish? Was I still Amish? No, no. I think you yeah. just I, I, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I had hurt myself playing hockey when I was 16 when I was still Amish. And then when I, and then I had back issues, and nobody was fixing it. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about like chiropractor after chiropractor after chiropractor and then mom was like you need to go see dr dill and so went to you you did x-rays um you're what i would consider like not just a chiropractor but a glorified chiropractor like we talked about Mm -hmm. prior like so for the audience dr dill does more than chiropractic like chiropractic like um i mean you've done like uh, x-rays blood work uh you're you you're you know all this stuff. So anyway, um, went there and you were the only guy, only person out of like 10 different places I tried that <laughs> actually healed my, like my spine. I remember my I allowed spine, you to heal. My spine was twisted. Yeah. And my disc kept slipping. And anyway, and you got me back on my feet. Yeah. Well, I mean, rest, you know, a lot of people will be like, what do you do? You know, yes, my license is chiropractic care. So I'm a DC. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, knowledge is free if we just seek it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I poured my heart and soul and just my life into really understanding how the body functions, how it heals, you know, basing a lot of what I do and the principles by which I work and serve my community and serve people and help you, um, people like you is that, you know, how does the body function? How does it heal? You know, you, you, you say, and a lot of people do, they mistakenly say, you know, Hey, Dr. Dale, he, man, he healed my low back or he did this, he did that. And I'm like, no, I didn't do anything. I helped you understand how your body functions or in your situation with biomechanics of your spine, I helped you understand that and understand what we needed to do to correct the biomechanics. That's the movement, the way the body should function mechanically at that level in that area. So restoring that allows your tissues to remodel and then ultimately heal. And that's a lot of times what happens is people utilize chiropractic for more symptomatic treatment, not actually restoring the biomechanics. And so they don't get the full relief or they don't get that quote unquote fix, you know, that type of thing. But also in terms of like, you know, working with people from, I don't really think there's, you know, I was telling my wife yesterday, I'm like, we need a different name because I've had several clients over the last couple of weeks that were just unique to this, you know, 
you know, the functional medicine. They, uh, one lady this week actually was like, I've gone to functional medicine for several years, but I, I want your approach now and I, I want to really do it naturally. And a lot of people think that functional medicine doctors are natural. It's like they're more natural, but they're not, but they're that, you know, they're one foot in the medical model, one foot out type of thing. And so, so what, is, what is a functional uh, it, so so you're, you're saying something outside of just going to your doctor and your prescribed medication. Yeah. So a lot of times functional medicine, that terminology is used for, um, it can be both medical physician or it can be chiropractors um, and other certification courses can give you a like a certification in functional medicine. And then it allows you to approach things in, it doesn't necessarily allow you to, you can do it anyways, you through nutrition and lifestyle and things like that. But a lot of times let's give you an example is what I've seen through like this lady, she was put on a general generalized, you know, adrenal, you know, supplement. She was put on magnesium for bowel problems. Um, she was put on what else is she, which a, a generalized B vitamin complex. Um, but the main thing they did was they tested her hormones and yes, she had a high stress response. Um, and then she also had very low across the board hormones, um, progesterone kind of being the quote lowest and, but yet estrogen is super low. Like everything else was super low too. So it's like, she just has deficiency in production. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be the goal or she has a high stress, thus the body's natural response is to lower fertility, to lower these other hormones. One, because you're using the building blocks to build stress hormones. So you're robbing that, you know, but that approach of giving her, well, what they did was they just did hormone replacement. And I'm like, that's not restoring function. So why are we calling it functional medicine? So when people ask me, it's like they, most of the time they're a little bit more familiar with the terminology of functional medicine, but I'm like, it's not functional medicine what I do because if I watch and observe what even functional medicine training and certification programs have taught me, it's still kind of like treat it with things naturally, but you're still focusing on symptoms. Like, so, mm -hmm. you know, I tell people all the time, like, you need to tell me your story. You need, you know, they're like, how did I end up here? How, why is my hormones low? Or why is my neck in that position? And I'm like, tell me your life story. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can figure it out. And then learning somebody's life story is ultimately what allows us to figure out why they're there in that situation with whether it be their blood work or their symptoms and things like that <clears throat> versus doing blood work and observing where they're at. This is where you're at with your hormones. This is where you're at with your blood sugar. This is where you're at with your you know, your musculoskeletal system and pain or whatever it may be. Right. And your symptoms can be explained by these, but why did you get here? Yeah. How did you get to that yes, point? Yes, exactly. Kind of so. like, well, what we did uh, a while back was we, when we did my blood work mm -hmm. and, but you kind of know much, but then to kind of fill that gap, like after you healed my back or whatever, I, you taught me how to. Yeah. You uh, healed it. Your like, body does all the remodeling, yeah, the tissue. Yeah. I just worked on the biomechanics of the right. spine and nervous system to allow your body to work better, both mechanically and neurologically. But it was different than any other approach that any other quote unquote chiropractor yeah. had advised me on prior to that time. But then for a couple of years, uh, I don't think I, I went to your office. I mean, I've lived in Montana between that time, like for, I don't yeah. know, probably six, seven years even. And so then 
I started having the shoulder issues, went back, and to just kind of, to credit you in this regard is like, at this time, I mean, we're talking probably uh, three months ago, mm-hmm. something like yeah, that. I, I was, I've found myself in a place where I didn't have any energy. Um, I had pretty much stopped working out because it's just, I just didn't have energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gained like 10, 20 pounds from like just being in the office all the time. And then, so I went back to you, we, we, uh, we started, you know, kind of adjusting my shoulder to where I wasn't having so much pain with that. And we did my blood work and we went over those statistics to credit you is you were able to, at that point in time say, well, here's the results of your blood work. Um, and you, you advised me to go, you know, a little bit on the natural route of like, well, we did milk thistle seed for my liver. We did dandelion root for my liver still on, still doing that. Good. Uh, not as religiously as I should probably, but, but then you also, uh, advised me to go on to these pills with like liver and almost live more of a carnival diet mm-hmm. if you want to call it that and man night and day the, how you feel the, the, how, how i feel look. i am i have more clarity mentally i have energy like every morning i get up and run a mile to two miles minimum mm-hmm. depends on like what i have going and then i like do workouts i, I do more of a, a calisthenics approach like you you told me like maybe try it more of an overall uh, body workout. So what I'm trying to say is like, I think that what you're doing is really valuable in terms of people's everyday health, because you were able to give me guidelines and steps based off of, whereas I can go into any other doctor even and not get those same results, or they'll just throw me on medication or something like that. And so I, I really credit you with your knowledge and expertise on that, on, on the subject of just, Holistic health, if you will. I don't even know if it's as much a holistic approach as it's just a natural approach. Yeah. So for any audience we have, like that, what would you say is the number one thing that you would advise someone that that if their if their energy is just down or they feel like more foggy or whatever, or maybe they're on a bunch of medications that they want to try? Like, what's the biggest myth in in modern day health? You mm-hmm. think? And what would you advise someone? that has any of those symptoms that I had to yeah. go and try. Yeah. I mean, I think, man, that's a two part question. Yeah. But, I mean, but. it's a tough question because the reality is it's different per person. You know, one person's uh, health could be so restricted because of a life situation an emotional stressor. you know, the big picture, what I would say is take this principle, probably the best thing that I could give people is take this principle. It's a chiropractic principle. I didn't invent this. I didn't think this up. Um, the founders of chiropractic, but actually, if you look all the way back to Hippocrates, um, the father in a quote unquote modern medicine and kind of the things that he focused on, um, the reality is look at thoughts, traumas, and toxins. And so within those three, one, a lot of people are like, why doesn't it include nutrition? I'm like, well, you should be eating what naturally human beings should be eating. So if you're not eating which is junk another and toxins, topic I want to come back essence, to. You're eating. If you're not eating junk and toxins, then guess what? You are eating nutritional foods. That's um, minerals, nutrients, and things like that are very bioavailable, like on more of a carnivore diet. I tell people all the time, you know, I like to utilize the factories that do amazing work to harvest all of the plant vegetable nutrients for me. And then I just 
get it out of the meat. Yeah, I get to their fat, their meat, their organ meats, you know. Um, But thoughts, traumas, and toxins. So, you know, I have clients that in conversation, learning about them, learning what they've been through, things like that, I have helped more people resolve, especially women, women in this regard, it, it goes to the emotional, you know, traumas, you know, that emotional stressors, things like that, and helped women drive down what is creating their anxiety, what is creating their you know, metabolic disorder in that, wow, it's stress, and they need to work through th- some things, you know, with therapy or with friends and things like that. And they just, they, they got, you know, a lot of times it goes back to that hormonal issues that is dysregulated in females um, from, they really respond uh, poorly, negatively to emotional stressors. So a lot of times they forget that. Um, and they, they want to look at all their hormones and they watch where they are with their hormones and not addressing what's driving that hormonal shift in their, in their profile. And then from that, physical traumas, like in your case, the physical traumas, you know, working, injuries, things like that. But those physical traumas can actually create neurological stressors, especially when it involves the spine. So removing that stressor on the central nervous system, and again, you go back to the emotional traumas, that is a huge um, cause of problems in the central nervous system and the stress response. And then the physical traumas again, and then going back to toxins. And so the consumption of toxins and then the exposure to toxins and then like utilizing things um, like in your case, utilizing herbs that are extremely efficient at supporting and stimulating the liver so that the liver can remove those toxins. So if you're looking at metabolic health or hormonal health and things like that, the liver is the largest organ inside of our body. Skin is the largest organ of our body. Um, and so I just say kind of, you know, generically, it's like how important is the liver? Pretty dang important. It's the largest organ inside of our body. So it does a lot of things. And sadly, there's actually very limited biomarkers to evaluate its health and its total function. But understanding that liver is pivotal, taking people through programs, diet, nutrition, herbs, things like that, that enhance and improve liver function. Ultimately, the removal of toxins is supported. And then the conversion of hormones into the positive hormones, things like that, the ones that people, quote unquote, want to have, you know, it's just amazing the results that can occur. So basically what you're saying, if I understand, if I hear you correctly, is the liver is is pretty much weeding out the toxins. Whatever toxins you you bring in, whether it's through skin or through food or whatever it might be. So with that in mind, how does eating liver, or in Mm -hmm. my case, I don't want to eat liver, so I take liver pills per your recommendation, which has given me tremendous energy. How does that help our liver? Like If you're consuming an animal's liver, so to speak, say you're eating cow liver, how does that turn into helping your liver yeah so one just as simple you get the raw materials but really your body's digestive system is going to break down all of that which is in liver a lot of people will ask a similar question to that they will ask so if i'm eating liver and that's the filter it's not a filter it's a packaging processing plant for excretion or conversion that's kind of what it does and storage for glycogen and other hormones and things like that for energy, hormonal production, things like that. So the liver is a massive processing facility, all right? It does not store, if it's storing 
fat and toxins, you got a big problem. You are majorly nutrient deficient already. So the liver processes things for excretion. That's okay. what it does with toxins. It does not store toxins. It's not like the filter in our air system, you know, things like mm -hmm. that, or in your pool, in your car. It doesn't collect toxins. It takes toxins that come through it through circulation, and then it says, okay, these toxins need to be excreted. It packages them up, and then it ships them through the gallbladder or through bile into the digestive tract, and then it should be eliminated. If it doesn't go through that elimination process and other things going on in the GI, GI health is very important as well because that's the drain, it can be recycled and the liver has to do that process all over again. So then you're wreaking havoc on your liver because of a GI issue. You know, so it's a compl complex network of systems that work together. But the liver, because it's not a storage unit, it has to have a massive amount of really high antioxidants, glutathione, B vitamins, minerals, nutrients, all of this for the processing and the neutralization of toxins. So it needs all these really good things to neutralize toxins. So if you take an animal that's out there in nature, especially ruminant animals like a cow or a deer, and they're consuming things that ideally would be lower toxins, their liver is just this massive storage unit for all of the amazing nutrients that we need. It's one of the, it's the, the highest source as far as like, um, you may, there may be higher sources and different animals have higher, but it, when it comes down to like, if you just look on the NIH National Institute of Health and you look at like, you know, the breakdown of per gram of liver, per gram of, you know, vegetation, whether it be spinach, kale, broccoli, or a legume and nut seed, you know, Brazil nuts, things like that, and you look at liver, it's like the highest source of vitamin A, the highest source of vitamin Bs, um, it's the highest source of zinc, highest source of magnesium, it, copper, manganese, all these essential nutrients and minerals. So that's where it's stored. So by consuming it, and you know, what I tell people is like, look in your stool, look in the toilet after you've had a bowel movement, and depending on what you've eaten the last couple meals, you'll see things come out. And at times people see whole mushrooms, especially when they're not cooked. They'll see corn, they'll see different seeds, they'll sometimes see plant vegetation. Do you ever see that chunk of steak or that chunk, you know, like people can yeah. swallow it for, you know, you never like, oh, I can recognize that. That's like the stringiness from the fibers of muscle tissue or the, if you do eat liver, I've never seen that. So, so are you saying the body breaks that down better yes. than anything else? It's very efficient at breaking that down. Acid is very efficient at breaking down protein so, and animal protein and fat versus, so it's like another thing like along those lines is that, you know, the thoughts, traumas, and toxins, that principle, that big idea. And then from there, it's like, all right, learn how to eat like a human. Look at the way in which our digestive tract, the structure and the way it functions. So when you say learn to eat like a human, are you talking, are you, are you saying learn to eat foods that are going to be digested more yes. thoroughly? efficiently by our system. Or learn, and then on top of that, take nature and look at the way in which nature is built, you know. And, you know, if I may, it's just my personal, you know, is, you know, way God made a chicken, the way God made a ruminant animal, the way God made our intestinal tract and our bodies. And think about it, <clears throat> you know, 
Think about the way in which a chicken's digestive or bird, fowl, things like that. They take in seeds, they store it in this pouch in their esophagus. They have an, a pouch there. It's a warm, moist environment. If I take a seed and put it in a warm, moist environment, like a quote-unquote greenhouse, it's kind of what that is. Mm -hmm. What happens to that seed? It sprouts. Begins the sprouting, begins the germination process. And what's awesome about that process, if you're going to consume grains, I tell people you need to ideally to, to reap the most benefit nutrients from that grain because our bodies and digestive tract is not made to digest that very efficiently. And then also, not only on our digestive tract and how it's made up, but without sprouting and things like that, there are enzymes that seeds, they want to be planted. That is how a plant procreates and continues on its generational life, you know? Mm -hmm. So seeds want to be planted. So they have enzymes in them, chemical compounds that inhibit our digestion, that it, that stop us from digesting it, but also bind to nutrients, minerals, especially, and you can significantly lower the amount of zinc you will absorb, whether you eat liver or if you, one of the studies they did was they used um, oyster meat. Oyster meat's really high in zinc. How much zinc did the body absorb when they used like a flour corn tortilla? Way less, like 70% less zinc absorption. Wow. Because just adding that to, instead of just straight oyster, you did a corn or flour tortilla. So it didn't just reduce the mineral and nutrient absorption of, you know, like you didn't absorb what was in the corn or flour tortilla, it reduced what you absorbed from other things that could have massive benefit as far as like a mineral goes. So seeds can do that. One way around that, why birds do that is because they would literally starve to death. They would be mineral nutrient deficient if they didn't sprout it, warm it, then grind it and then allow it to ferment. That's how their digestive tract works. That's interesting. I never would have known that. Uh, when one thing we discussed that I think is is uh, important to talk about because we have I mean I we have one or two young guys on in the company that do weights and stuff and are on testosterone and stuff mm -hmm. and we discussed it with you and I feel like I don't know if I was low in testosterone I don't think I was really low in testosterone when I you're substantially my low no I don't and don't remember I'd have to but, look back at your but that being I should have brushed up on it before I came in it's okay <laughs> no no. It's, but I just know after taking the liver pills and different things that you put me on, I, I know my testosterone is higher. Yeah. As far as like my energy to How work you feel, out. energy, like all the things that testosterone gives. Yeah. But you remember, I remember asking you about testosterone and you said something to the extent of, uh, and cor uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it's never, um, it's never good to try to essentially replace the testosterone your body naturally produces. Is, yeah. that, is that correct? Can you break that down? I, mean, and <clears throat> I, I feel like there's a lot of young guys on, on testosterone now. And because, what, what is the danger of that? Well, so if you are taking an exogenous outside your body hormone, you are going to naturally lower your body's production. And again, it goes back to there's a reason you're not producing adequate amounts, higher amounts of testosterone. So it could be phthalates, plastics, chemicals, things like that you're being exposed to, you're consuming, things like that. So guess what? If you continue to be exposed to those or consume those, you still have a cancer risk. So there's other so, health so, ramifications. And so while those can inhibit production 
naturally, you're still like my goal for my patients is, you know, reach your God given health potential, not just elevate a hormone. So symptomatically, you feel better, you inhibit your testosterone, natural testosterone production, and then you have other risks because of it. So if, if you say are injecting testosterone, I don't know how it works, but like, let's say you're injecting testosterone into your body. What are the side effects that you see most common that come with that? Besides, estrogen. Be, besides like the fact that your body is naturally going to produce less yeah. because you're just forcing it. One of the biggest side effects, the direct effects on it, it's, you know, it's the undesired effects is increased estrogen. What is estrogen? Can you break that down? Estrogen is more their female hormone. Males need a little bit of it, but testosterone is converted through aromatase into estrogen. And so now you have various different feminizing effects of that. Males can grow breasts if they don't. A lot of times you'll see in quote unquote those functional med or hormone specialist facilities, they're going to give you an aromatase inhibitor. And so you have this excess of one hormone that's then converted into other hormones and that's how the body then excretes it so it's got to be converted into a female hormone before it can be excreted and the body's working overtime to do that because it can the body's intelligent and says this is too much testosterone this is not where i should be most of the time you see all these hormones including the estrogen which then when depending on the person's preferential pathways of how they detox and neutralize that estrogen well then and if it builds up you've got a higher cancer risk really so yeah. do you think it it affects something as simple as like someone's emotions even oh yeah or really oh yeah like significantly well yeah i mean hormones can affect mental health for sure wow testosterone and depending on whether it goes to different androgens things like that that can lead to various different you know from the the you know, superficial issues of hair growth problems or sebaceous gland problems, um, but also mental but and so, anger so you would, and things like that. You would say the biggest risk is potentially it could lead to uh, a higher cancer risk, mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Um, okay, so let's pivot a little bit because the other thing you really helped me on that I wanted to touch on is is foods. And so... It doesn't take a genius to figure out like inflation and your grocery bill and things yeah. like that. And what I see a lot is, is people can't afford to, to eat healthy. It literally costs so much money to eat yeah. healthy. So if, if somebody came to you and they're like, you know, we're on a fixed budget, and, but we want to be more healthy. We want to be more conscious of what foods we eat, whether it's processed or, or, you know, things like that. Like we want to get away from as much processed foods as we can. We want to mm-hmm. go the natural route the best we can, but it's so expensive. Yeah. What is, what are some foods that you think could ultimately help a per- person be healthier, mm-hmm. but is also at the same time cost efficient and not going to break their bank when they go to the grocery store? So, you know, the prices of like grass fed meat, meat and organic meat and stuff like that are not cheap. Um, it's, it's insane. You know, partnership and community is probably one of the best ways to do that. So, so you're saying like, like do like a farmer get, partnership yeah, program? Buy direct from farmers and then get a group of you together and everybody that's not you always buy. Better. I mean, that's not always cheaper just to no. buy direct from farmer either. Well, it'd be like you buy a whole cow if you can get everybody together at the same time. Like, I mean, or learn how to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> what if you What if you uh, feel bad for the animal when you hunt like I do? Then you just don't hunt. 
Ah, uh, man. So I like the only way I like to see the animal. Is when could I joke with eat. you for a second? Sure. Pick on you. Yeah. So, so you're cool with murder for hire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even have to hire. Yeah, They're always right. willing to do it. For exactly. Free. <laughs> no, it's no. And, and you know, I've become more of a softy. You know, um, you know, you can kind of feel if you don't make a clean kill. I hit a hit a deer with my truck the other day, um, coming home, and you know, I was like the cop was there and he had to do his like checks and stuff to make sure that, you know, if he's going to fire off his pistol, he's got to make sure he warns the police mm-hmm. station that, you know, in case people hear gunfire, they got to know that it was him, not something. Yeah. So I'm like trying to suffocate the deer before he could take the shot. Oh, Cause I'm like, I want this animal out of its misery as quick yeah. as possible. You yeah. Know? But then I take it home and I butchered it and we've had back you straps it, and liver. Oh Yeah. It's already tenderized. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Instead of rotten on the side of the road. I mean, that's, that's true. You know, but, I mean, it's funny because my urine has been, like, bright yellow because I consumed the entire liver with me and my daughter <laughs> is the main one that consumed it, and I give a few pieces. The other kids, it's, it's unique. Magnolia, my oldest daughter, actually likes. She's like, oh, liver. I want more liver. So and you I'm just eat like, it raw? Oh, Not raw, no. I have. Um, you know, raw or freeze-dried, things like that can be done. Obviously, you want a healthy animal. You don't want to grow bacteria on it, so the processing and stuff should be ideal. You know, there's some people that advocate for that. Um, but, you know, I cook it. But we consume it. Obviously, urine is an, you know, urine color hyper yellow is an expression that is telling me that my body had more than enough B vitamins, you know, and it was like, I don't need all this. So, but yeah, that was recently, you know, so I mean, right now it's like we're going into the rut. And so we got deer running across the roads. Mm -hmm. There's lots of deer getting hit on the road. So, I mean, I don't know how many deer I've picked up on the side of the road from random cars hitting it. And just like, that's free food. That's free food for me. That's free food for my dogs. You know, they should be eating a raw, you know, so maybe that's that's the answer to the question is like, you just save money by picking up. I know. Right. That's the easiest way, but it, you're a braver man than me see my thing is i can't i can't deal with the dead animal i don't want to do yeah but like uh, the but as, aside from like the meat part of your diet like that yeah is is there <clears throat> anything else that you think is pretty cost effective like at the grocery store that somebody could buy or has it gotten to the point where i sometimes worry that even the fruits and vegetables oh, are so contaminated anymore like we we have a lot of mulberries. So, I mean, again, it, it takes this person having property to be able to grow that stuff. I mean, but we shop 90% at, of people for don't. people that don't. It's like we shop at Costco. Costco is one of the, you know, has a lot of organic. It's decently priced. Obviously, probably going to be more than Walmart or Sam's Club and things like that. But the reality is that's where we shop and we get, and we just buy in bulk. We go down there once a month. And, again, we've got a family of you know, uh, soon to be six, well, we got six right now, soon to be seven, because we're going to have five kids here soon. Um, So the reality is we spend a pretty penny when we go down there. But, you know, I'm lucky enough to hunt, I'm lucky enough to know how to process meat. So that's how I save. So like, when it comes down to really saving money at the grocery store, I mean, I'm blessed enough and it's, you know, it's tough because I'm like, I'm blessed enough to have a career that financially provides for me and my family. Well, um, I don't even look at it because I know the health ramifications of eating that other stuff. So I make, I make sure we have the money first of all, 
for the things that are the most valuable investments that I have, and that's my children, you know, and my wife. And so. I, and, and I'm, I'm the same way in the sense of like, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to kind of eat the way I want, but I'm very conscious of when I go to the grocery store, seeing the difference of cost, yeah. even for me, like now that it was like three, four years ago. And I think about other people, even when you get mm-hmm. gas or anything like it's, it's insane. It's just absolutely ludicrous what we spend for everything anymore. But, but at the same time, I I often think about like well the ramifications of not spending that money for yeah. that food is much greater ultimately yeah. because you're going to spend it your health on your health is way costs, more expensive and you're going to go to the mm-hmm. hospital and have to then mm-hmm. fix it and things like that. Um, you know, one of the ways, like you know, too, it's like not necessarily looking at what you're buying and where you're buying as far as grocery stores go. You know, the reality is go to one of the biggest expenses for families for the vast majority of families is insurance, you know, and, and yes, there are now with certain government subsidized insurances and people who don't have to pay for insurance when they are on a very, very tight budget, you know, so it may not be applicable to them, but for people that are like in that, you know, higher, slightly higher income, they can't get subsidized insurances. So they have no free insurance, <laughs> But I always say that free insurance, I don't want to ever have to use it because mm-hmm. that pays for drugs and surgery. And that's yeah. not what I want for my kids. Um, but we do things like MediShare. That's what my family does. So it's a couple hundred bucks a, a month. Um, I think it's right at like 300 for my family. And we have $10,000 deductibles. So the thousands of dollars I save, like I had a family member friend who was spending like $1,600 a month on insurance. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, 10 months from now, if you were to switch to MediShare and your your premiums would be lower for a $10,000 deductible, you put $1,000 every month. And like, when's the last time you had any major issue? And, you know, they're like, well, we haven't practically. You're so and like, so you're, yeah. you're financing, you know, investors and big, you know, corporation, mm-hmm. a corporation rather than actually, and big pharma, rather than actually the massive money that you're giving them, you could be investing in your health and better nutrition and things like that by switching insurances, freeing up a little bit of cash, doing a savings account to have that large deductible ready to go, and then selecting a different healthcare provider that is more about prevention of chronic disease, restoration of health so that chronic disease is resolved. You save money on, you know, everything then, you know. How many people would you say that you have gotten help to get off medicine that they were taking and their life has been significantly better, (laughs) even to the point that the disease or chronic condition maybe that they were taking the medication for has disappeared? You're asking me a question that I have no idea. And the reason is that I'm not a big numbers guy as far as like what I've done. You know, but, what I mean? but, it's, but, but is thousands, this a daily occurrence? You know, like thousands, yeah. And you weekly get them people off are coming medication. off of medications. They no longer need them. You know, when you restore function of the body, when function is restored, you need a medication because your body isn't functioning correctly, or God forbid, on those patients that have had like their thyroid taken out or thyroid radiated or you know, their ovaries removed, you know, things like that, then at a for a time period or like a diabetic who's a type one who is dependent on a hormone insulin because their body's autoimmune response just destroyed their pancreas islet cells. They need that, but if we can lower the amounts they need, 
because we make it, it, we enable their body through the programs that I work with people on lifestyle, nutrition, chiropractic, nervous system, all those things. They need less medication. So they save money that way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it is is the, the natural uh, I don't know what you would call it, the system we live in in America where there's so much medicated people and doctors are so willing to medicate people mm-hmm. that fast. Is that, does it just, I assume it just all comes back to corporate yeah. kind of greed type stuff. Eventually, if you follow the money, that's where you yeah. end up. Yeah. But why is it that more doctors don't kind of look at this from a different perspective, maybe even from what they're taught in the sense of, of medication for the greater good of, of their, their, the people, their patients. Right. They've got a lot of hurdles to get through, um, and they've got a lot of incentives that keep them from doing. So that's ultimately probably what it way. comes back to. Yeah, is, is it, it, it does. If you're working in a hospital, you you have to go by that system, yeah. by this by the corporate system that's set up. Yep. Uh, regardless of how it ultimately ends up, what, I would assume. Correct me if I'm wrong. That a hospital's natural, or a hospital's way of like they're going to get more money ultimately if they can medicate a person to the point that that person's coming back more. Yep. Well, I have a nurse practitioner that I'm beginning to work with here, um, bring into our clinic. And yesterday having a meeting with her, one of her statements, because she's got a license to be able to um, prescribe and work with people who are taking, she doesn't really do it. She's very naturally minded and wants to learn more. Um, but she's like, I have to unlearn and relearn. And then in terms of medications, one of the things she told me, she's like, I forget what the class number is, like a class one or two. I don't know. I forgot. It didn't matter to me, but, uh, she was talking about Adderall ADHD medications. And she's like those patients. And this is a very unique situation here. Actually, now that I'm like putting these two situations together in my mind that happened yesterday. So the nurse practitioner and I were meeting between shifts in my office, and she's like, well, a lot of docs will do that because with those medications, you have to meet with the patient every 30 days. Legally, you are supposed to reevaluate if they're on, medication. If they're on those class, if, if you that said, class if, of medication, that dangerous type of medication. Like that's the, your kids on ADHD medication, that's the danger of those medications. Really? So if you prescribe ADHD medicine for me, I have to meet with you every 30 days. You're supposed to meet with the medical physician every 30 days. Because another patient of mine came in in the afternoon, or a nurse practitioner, she's kind of a patient and going to be um, employee, a teammate um, in the office. Uh, so another one came in and let me know that his son committed suicide and he was on the highest dose and that, and he was kind of addicted to those medications wow. for ADHD. Sorry to hear that. And so it's just, it's heartbreaking because this is happening way too often. You know, suicide is one of the leading killers of young adults, young children. And, you know, we're not looking at one, what is the underlying factors that are driving these, the underlying factors that I go back to is thoughts, traumas, toxins. What are the underlying factors that are driving the mental health epidemic in our nation? Why don't brains function right? Do you think it's medication? Well, medications distort further. So do you think that if... Do they don't correct function. They are there to treat symptoms or be a stimulant. Like that's so does what, that go beyond 
a lifespan into a generation. Let's say you have a mother and a father that are medicated heavily or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or not even heavily, but just natural or, yeah. or whatever is natural in America to be medica- medicated for. Yeah. Does that, do you see a, a correlation between that and their kids then, and even affecting their kids in any way? Mm-hmm. Or do you not see Especially medication as in the as, womb? Okay. So in the womb, only, if, if only a mother's on womb. a like antidepressant, any anxiety medications, things like that, there's strong evidence that shows that those medications are associated with the child developing from a degree of severe mental health type situation of severe autism, really disability, and to higher rates and risks of depression versus the mothers that deal with depression but yet are not on the medications while there. But again. I'm not, do not want a woman out there to come off of that medication. Just, oh God, Dr. Dale, he just said that these medications could possibly risk my child. God forbid you have the withdrawal problems from that medication and you, 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 you do something. You know what I mean? So, and it's probably not a one size fits all because yeah, when, no. you, when you look at even you like, got to come off those things safely. Yeah. yeah. And there's other risk factors, nutrient, there's, you know, inhibitory effects of these medications or stimulatory effects of these medications. So your brain, because of the hormones, neurotransmitters in the brain and the environment of the baby during development at certain time periods can be thrown off. It's going to favor certain upregulation of certain areas of the brain, downregulation of certain other areas of the brain. And so you wind up this imbalance that's created, you know, yeah. and, and there's ways to help rebalance the system or improve the um, growth of that child's ner- nervous system and brain to promote balance even though it the brain initially was developing in an environment that was not conducive for appropriate healthy development balance i'm curious from uh i know my my mother's been a patient of yours i don't know how many other amish or mennonite patients you have but if you have a significant amount is there what is the biggest difference you see in that community health-wise versus maybe some of your other patients that are more uh, like typically the Amish don't take medications. Uh, my mom's always been like very natural mm-hmm. minded, things like that. Is there, do you see a big difference in the health and the health health risk in those communities? Uh, Way lower in- cardiometabolic health problems. Really? Yeah. Like at least the ones that I've seen is like way less obesity. So it's just because they move more and they, they I would do, say so. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, but they move they, more. I would, I believe that a lot of the Amish communities, they, they farm their own foods, you know, mm-hmm. they, they raise their own cattle, they probably drink raw milk, they have their own chickens, you know, they consume probably more of a, a, um, you know, animal based diet to a large degree. And then they're out there working the garden for the fruits or vegetables that they do consume. And depending probably on the degree, I don't know, I mean, you would have to tell me, but it's like with, do they, if they don't have electricity, how do they keep things cold? Do they go back to that fermentation and pickling and storage it's, that it's, actually increases nutrient availability yeah. of vegetables? Well, they would do the same thing. It's just uh, natural gas. Like okay. My mom gotcha. has a stove and a refrigerator. Okay. It's just natural gas. Uh, but I've always been curious as to um, what you, you know, somebody in your position would see the differences being. And the, a lot the other less side of mental it, health, too. Really? Oh, yeah. The other side of it is... At least from what I've observed, the people have come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Titus can relate because his 
ex-Amish wife is always bringing in desserts and snacks here. Mm-hmm. Like my mom makes some incredible desserts that yeah. aren't necessarily healthy. So why do you think that? And the Amish eat a lot of that too. Like they cook that, but it's almost as if it doesn't have the same ramifications of if you go to a grocery store and you buy the same thing. It's just different. It made is that because do you feel it's more processed? Oh, in the store, it's way more processed, way more, you know, toxic. And yeah, the the sugar and the added flavorings and things like that, that can, you know, generically said, gum up the liver, wreak havoc on insulin sensitivity, things like that. Like, I mean, I would expect they're using raw sugar and they're using some honey maybe and they're Mm -hmm. using raw butter and they're using raw dairy and they're, you know possibly like my wife's been doing um you know when we have any type of grain bread stuff like that sourdough more sourdough she made a sourdough you know homemade cake and it tastes amazing for my little girl's second birthday you know so it was a sourdough you know cake um and then butter and raw sugar cane you know so what's the big deal on the dairy the, like, you know, you see so much stuff about dairy is not healthy for you or mm-hmm. raw milk. Why, why do you think people, I mean, I grew up on raw milk, dude. I, I used to, yeah. I used to dip. You're a, still alive. It's crazy. I used to dip a glass in the, in the cooler, you know, we, yeah. we, we milk the cows. It goes into the cooler. It gets, it runs. It, only thing's been done it's at this cold. point. Yep. It's yeah. cold and it's run yeah. through a strainer. Yeah. I, I drink 10 cups a day. Yeah. As a kid, like. All the time. Yep. What is the big thing? Why do you think the government is so... I saw a post that it might have been something you posted. I don't know. But it's, it said that basically um, raw milk is is better regulated than fentanyl oh, by, yeah. by the government. It's insane, yeah. Why is that? Oh, man. Um, probably a good educational like uh, podcast. I'd s- listen to the Carnivore MD and Paul Saladino, and he talked to a, uh, a raw milk distributor in California who's doing it legally um like very legally like to where it's like a massive dairy farm um and it's all raw and there is very strict protocols he stands by and does like cooling it very rapidly keeping it cold in transit um transit you know things like that so when you had the centralization of communities city building things like that the farms being pushed further and further out and then when we didn't have the the efficiency of refrigerator trucks and things like that and you wound up getting milk too warm and bacteria grows then so there's a specific environment certain negative harmful anaerobic bacteria will grow Um, plus with the factory farming you know massive industrialization of farms rather than smaller private farms where families are really taking care of their animals more pasture raised you wind up well we can take fairly unhealthy environments fairly unhealthy animals and we can put all our milk together contaminate everything but if we just fry it you know and pasteurize it then we kill that bacteria well you got rid of the bacterial disease you know risk but then you also denatured you broke down you increased the Um, the insulin and the glucose response in the bloodstream, you know, from consuming those milks, and then you took out the fat, so then you have more of a insulin response, you know, a a sugar response, and so metabolically, it's more unhealthy in that way, and then when we have cows in these factory farms being fed grains, you're altering the 
um, omega-3 to omega-6 ratio within that fat within it, so then it's more pro-inflammatory. And then you have the antibiotics and the, the medications these cows, like in, a, in a, you know, like listening to the guy out in California and doing his raw milk farm. Like if there is a unhealthy sick cow, like it's out of the herd, it's separated from the rest, it's in its own green pasture, and that's how they like they heal it. They don't like half the time. From what I understand, they don't give them medications, or if they have to, that that cow is not milked for a extended period of time. Wow. And so, it's like half the time, it's like put it, get it separated, let it out in nature, and it'll heal itself and recover. And so then the contamination risk and things like that are way lower so you know it was it was simplicity and it was to to remove one type of risk but then to alter the long-term metabolic consequences and remove the benefits of raw milk so so there is a way to actually sell raw milk oh yeah you're saying but you got to go through yeah i mean this guy is like he, he you know he's like the FDA, everybody, you know, like they, they really watch what he does, but he's kind of like one of the farms that is on the forefront of raw milk industry and like is teaching classes and teaching people how to do this. And it's, you know, it's a very like the way they clean their and shower their cows before they go into the milking parlor um, afterwards, like, you know, um, how quickly that, like, how, like I forget the amount of time, but it's like how quickly they chill that milk down to get it below a temperature to where those anaerobic, those bad bacteria can multiply and get to the point. And then he has testing, third-party testing that is like so strict so that they know there is no contamination and there is no amount of those bad bacteria in that milk. Um, so, and then they sell it raw and that, and so again, you got to be way more strict, you know, like on your transportation of the raw milk, because as soon as you, um, allow it to warm up, it can grow. Well, if there's bad bacteria you get growth of that, but if there's good bacteria, you could actually then allow it to quote some, you know, pasteurized milk sours, raw milk ferments, and then can increase in the good bacteria and the good yeast and things like that. So you could have a healthy cow, healthy milk, raw, become more of a superfood, more available nutrients, more good bacteria in that yogurt and that kefir, and lower sugar, so more metabolic health benefits versus you leave a you leave pasteurized store-bought milk out, it sours. You cannot drink that. That is really unhealthy, and it's like kind of the only thing that grows in it is bad bacteria then do you think that we're going as a as a country we're going to end up seeing more and more farms like that with i think so because because we've learned the the side effects of of getting away from it yeah and and getting away the traditional ways of you know taking care of animals and farming and things like that and now we're realizing the benefits of animals that are you know pasture grass-fed free range, things like mm-hmm. that. Their nutrient values, their mineral values, value, values, their fat ratios in their meat, their fat and their organs and their milk are so much more beneficial for us. Let's touch on, um, have you looked into synthetic meats at all? I, just, I have not. I just, I just it's just one of those things Italy, where I'm just like, just don't do it. I just saw that Italy banned it. They, mm. they came out and said like any... Any, uh, you can't ship synthetic meats to Italy. You can't uh, sell any synthetic meats. 
because of under the uh, context of like they see it as a um, public health uh, threat or risk. Public health risk, yeah. Yeah. To health. So yeah. I, I thought that was interesting because then in America, you see people I like mean, Bill Gates push it. And are you are you putting into that meat all the essential amino acids and nutrients that are no in way. a cow that There's eats no grass? Possible. No way. No way. Absolutely possible. not. And then we also have to understand that our bodies are not only interacting with bacteria, with enzymes, with proteins, um, with those amino acids, those minerals, but it, our body's also interacting with microRNA. And I know the last three years we won't go into those subjects because of you know uh, censorship, but the reality is we actually interact with microRNA from plants, from fruits, from vegetables, and and you know um, and animal and, and things like that. So. And so I'm guessing when they're, you know, synthetically creating this, what kind of DNA and RNA and stuff like that that our body is now having to deal with and can take in and have potential repercussions on our body and system and, you know. So seeing everything you see health-wise, it's how do you, are you optimistic about, like, the future of humanity? I know this is a crazy question, but, like, <laughs> I think about this a lot, like, are we actually getting better or are we getting worse? You see, I'm, I'm an optimist. So I always yeah. think like, you know what, we're figuring stuff out. We're going to, but like seeing the health, do you think, I guess to, to sum that uh, up in a question, do you think being where we are in America today, like when you look at uh, the world as a whole, we're, I would say we're probably the most obese country. Oh yeah. Is. And so when you go to like Europe, like there, you don't see that much obesity. And yeah. so, what do you think that we're going to overcome that? Or do you see the trajectory of the people coming through mm -hmm. your office that it's just not changing that people just don't care enough? We've got a lot of hurdles to overcome. I mean, I, I know that the desire is increasing to go more truly health, you know, and functionality, health restorative direction with nutrition, with lifestyle, you with think lesser that's medications. You the majority of Americans, though? Ah, uh, man. The majority, no. No, it's not. But the majority is definitely still into that. We're going to listen to our MD. We're going to take our pharmaceutical drugs. We're going to treat the results on the lab test. We're not going to focus on our nutrition, our lifestyle, and things like that. You know. Um, so, so you see that approach as if you're targeting the problem but you're not targeting the overall uh the whole picture that created the problem in the mm -hmm. first place where your approach is more so like you said prior what's your story what did you do to get here you're looking at the overall picture of the health and you're saying well we can't just focus on this one thing we gotta we gotta we gotta look at the whole package and we mm -hmm. gotta change the whole package in order and then by doing that that itself is going to eliminate the, the problem yeah. And so you think that education, understanding, and then ultimately consumer driven changes that are occurring have occurred in my lifetime in the last 10, 20 years that I've seen. You know, it, it just, when people are educated and they know better, they do better, hopefully. Um, not everybody, but that will drive, mm -hmm. I think, society to 
at least a smaller percentage, at least a percentage, and the percentage is growing. You know, people are making better health choices. They are realizing that that cholesterol medication is not truly going to give them this longer, healthier life, better quality of life. It has a degradation to their quality of life. So they're like, okay, I want, I, I, I don't want to lose my quality of life. I don't want muscle pain. I don't want, you know, heart problems now because my heart's weaker. You know, so there's people are waking up to it. They are seeking people like myself to try to learn. I, I you know, people they come to me and they're like, I want to be healthier. I know a little bit about nutrition and exercise. I know it should be, do- but I need somebody just to guide me with my specifics, specifically what I'm dealing with, what my issues are. Tell me what I should be eating, taking, um, and doing so that I can get rid of these problems, you know, and so then they no longer need the medications. So, you know, so when, when someone listens to this, we covered a lot of topics yeah. and just to kind of phase out because I'm going to have to, to get going. go get going here. But like when someone listens to this, we covered a lot of information today and that can be overwhelming from the sense of like, well, maybe that person is like me like three months ago where I felt like, okay, I'm a little overweight. I, I don't have, I don't feel great. Um, what is a, and maybe they don't even have access or they don't even know of somebody like you yet, which we're going to put all your information on here to where people can find you. And maybe if they're in a different state or country and they need something, they can reach out to you. Maybe, you know, someone to direct them to, but let's just say someone's hearing all of this and they're like, man, this, I can relate to that. I can relate to this, but maybe they can't afford even your services, or maybe, uh, they can't afford to go and buy a bunch of supplements and different things like what I'm doing right now. What is a, a, a practical first step that you would just, advise that person to say like just start with this yeah what is that what is the one thing that you would just say look if you can't do all of it right now just start with this Mm -hmm. and you should see xyz results because of it it would probably go into the get be physically active you know the the benefits of physical activity and exercise if we could bottle that up would be just amazing you know, and I know that's easier said than done for some people dealing with chronic health problems with pain and different things that they're like, well, I can't doc, I can't walk, I can't, you know, what do I need to do? So then yours would be nutrition, just eat what God created, not what man created in a factory, change there. But otherwise, for the vast majority of people, that's not going to cost you a dime. It's just taking a 10 minute walk after every single meal. It's huge metabolic really? benefits for lowering blood glucose and insulin secretion right after a meal. R- 10 minute walks, just a walk after a meal and so let's say that's 30 minutes a day is superior to its metabolic supportive effects on our body than a 40 minute workout once a day what so just a quick 10 minute walk right after a meal just do that do that my girlfriend is the biggest walking advocate of anyone that i've ever met she walks literally uh, she gets she makes sure she gets her 10,000 steps every day she's always (laughs) saying and she's I mean, everyone's always asking her if where she, you know what she does for workouts doesn't work out besides walking. Yeah, stay but physically active, very fit. Yeah, but, but she's always telling me like she's gotten me to walk a lot more than yeah. I used to. But like, I didn't know it's that. Uh, I knew it's pretty crucial, but I didn't know like specifically after a meal it would make yeah, that much. Gotta difference. move. Gotta move. We are made for movement. We're not made for sitting in a desk chair, whatever. We gotta move. Yeah, and that's also why nice. when I sit here for an hour, then I'm just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, ready to go. I feel it for me. Like I, I have to. I was telling you uh, the other day. Like, 
I don't get the shoulder pain when I move. When I'm working yeah. when you're at working, the shop you're active, or on a roof, yep. I don't get it. It's only when I sit. Like we've been sitting here for about an hour. I'm starting to feel that creep. Start feeling. Yeah. And it's that's the only time. And it's yeah. crazy. Stagnant. You're, you're, the tissues are stagnant. The blood flow is stagnant. The fluid movement through that joint, that is all stagnant. Also, when we're sitting, even myself in this moment, posture is a little bit not ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all going to put structural stress. Okay, so for people to, where can people find you, find your information? I mean, I know your your place in Clarksville is called Wild Roots, but yeah. like, uh, your what's your website, your socials, like YouTube? Where can people go to follow you to learn more about what you practice and teach and and basically uh, maybe reach out to you for advice or whatever yeah. it is or come see you and, and learn what you do? Like, I'm telling you uh, guys, like, this man single-handedly more so than any other doctor or professional I've ever visited yeah. has you've like you've helped me overcome a I lot of different that. different uh, pains I've had over the years that. or whatever with with lower back pain. Yeah, and I know and uh, understanding health. I hope that's the biggest thing I ever give you. What's that? Understanding health yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think you're focusing on the pain because it's probably the biggest quality of life improvement yes. you've had. But you know. when I when we did my blood work with you, uh, that was a it was after that shift that was the biggest change for me, like mentally, physically, yeah. uh, yep. everything just has been overall better. Yeah. So that was a huge thing for me. But anyway, where can people find you, follow you? Yeah. Um, what are your links? And Wild Roots Wellness is the clinic in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, the phone number there for the office for scheduling appointments, consults, things like that is 931-591-2010. That's 931-591-2010. And then I'm also, my alias online is The Wild Doc. I love being out in the wilderness. I believe that in the wilderness, we can find the herbs, the plants, the nutrition. I believe, you know, Ezekiel 47, 12 says, let fruit be for food and leaves be for medicine. The Bible also talks about kill and eat. So that's where the animal-based you know, diet comes into play. But then fruit is the next best meal or food for energy, especially. Um, so The Wild Doc, you got Rumble. Rumble's where you can get all of my <laughs> censored content. Um, things that YouTube and Facebook doesn't want you to know about or understand. And again, um, I talk about a lot of controversial health topics um, because people need to know the truth. And I utilize research throughout all of my discussions. This isn't just an opinion you have. No. You, you've If there's one thing I know about you, you research. Well, yeah, like you were asking me about like doctors and things like that. Maybe we just have have another podcast at some point in time, but financial ties between leaders of influential U.S. professional medical associations and industry. So this study in British Medical Journal talks about how millions of dollars are literally handed over from pharmaceutical companies, drug companies, to the influential leaders of the American College of Cardiology. So when the American College of Cardiology comes out with, hey, this is where your cholesterol levels need to be, um, it's driven by the pharmaceutical drug companies to increase profits, it's and th- th- that's what the British Medical Journal talks about. You know, like I'm not telling. It's not your opinion. It's, it's not my it's opinion. A study. That's and if I tell you that if you want to live to 90 or 100 years old and you need higher cholesterol, that higher cholesterol, especially LDL cholesterol, this is going to be a brain teaser and for a lot of people. And a lot of people believe LDL cholesterol is bad, but I can show you another study, multiple different studies where LDL cholesterol, the higher it is, the more likely women, especially, are going to live. To 90 years old and they held their higher quality of life, health status, functional, better hormones, everything. And so you got to understand that giving that information out there, the big industries, you know, the number one 
funder of TV commercials and, you know, <clears throat> online marketing and things like that for medias is oftentimes pharmaceutical industry. So they don't want the content that I want to give you so that you don't need that stuff. They don't want that out there. So it's being censored big time. So Rumble is the wild doc. YouTube, yes, yeah, still the wild doc. Um, so a lot of places for me, my content, the stuff that I put out there informational is the wild doc. If you search it, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, different places like that. And then over to, again, Wild Roots Wellness is the clinic there. So I think it's wildrootswellness.com. I mean, I'm like, I don't care. I just need, yeah, <laughs> my we'll, staff we'll, take we'll care of all, all that, that cool stuff. We'll put all that in the show, the show notes as well. So people can just click on it. And uh, guys, for uh, if you've enjoyed this conversation, let us know in the comments, share yeah. it, subscribe. If you want to see part two where we delve more into some of the studies you've done yeah. and uh, we can come back and do that, let us know that in the comments. And thanks for watching. I'd say the comment wise, ask some questions in the comments. If something I said you disagree with, like, you know, I'll, I'll get the research out. And next time, like you said, we can uh, answer those questions, be more audience driven as far as mm -hmm. maybe some of the content that we come out and speak on next time. Um, or, you know, clarify uh, and bring you the evidence so that you can be equipped to help yourself or help maybe a family member or friend, you know? Yeah, and if, if there's any question you have about health, about testosterone, about food uh, that we've covered today or not covered, ask in, in the comments, tag uh, the Wild Doc, and yeah, we'll come back and some of the best podcasts I've ever done were, were question based. Yeah. Where then we just went, I would bring in an expert That's on it. the subject and then you talk about those things. So definitely leave them in the, in the comments. Thanks for being here. I enjoyed this. I'd Even love to mate. do it again. I'd love to delve more into it today. I just don't have the time. But, I understand. Uh, and I know you're busy too. And so let's do it again. Thanks. Absolutely. will.